The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have a, even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. awake, because I want you to be awake for what I'm about to say. Are we okay? Right, let's, um, well, what a start. Never had a jump like that at the start. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we um, sit here together this morning, and I guess we're in a number of different places. But in many ways, I guess many will be restless, maybe tired, maybe worn out. Maybe wandering. And so, Lord, we pray, we ask you to come and be a shepherd to our souls. We pray for you to come and guide us, to lead us, to speak to us, to feed us, to protect us, to keep us safe. We come knowing you can do that and asking that you would. Amen. Now, has anyone seen the film Hook? Yeah, okay, so some. Some not? Oh, see, I, I just wasn't sure how this was going to fly. So it came out when I was a kid, so it was like big time for me and my mates. But maybe, you know, for some of you, it's like ancient history. Um, Anyway, I'm going to tell you a scene from the film. If you haven't seen it, you need to go and watch the film Hook. It's an amazing film, honestly, even for adults. Um, It's got Robin Williams in it. And um, he um, plays Peter Pan. And uh, in, 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 in his role, he is transforming from being this, this lawyer who is obsessed with his career, who is angry and cynical, working all the time, neglecting his kids, um, you know, that kind of thing, big businessman, obsessed with big deals and money and not there for his family. 
And, and he's been transformed through the film, it's a bit of a spoiler, but into a decent guy. And the climax of the film is him defeating Hook and, you know, doing the Peter Pan stuff. It's all very good. But on that process, he's learning these new values. And there's this brilliant um, scene in the middle of the film where he's with uh, the Lost Boys, who is this group of young lads who um, are lost. Um, and they're poor, and there's this banquet scene, and there's no food. So they're passing these plates around, and, and, and they're pretending to eat this food, and they're pretending they've got the nicest and the best food ever. But the thing is, as you're watching, you're seeing there's no food here. And he's pretty cynical about that and sceptical. But through the kind of intervention of Tinkerbell, he gets stuck in and he starts to imagine. And you totally can't see that. Never mind. You're going to have to imagine uh, what he sees. He starts to use his imagination and, and, and pretends to eat the food. And suddenly, magically appears all of this amazing food. And they are feasting. And it's like the biggest amount of food you could ever wish to see. And they're having a great time. And it's, it's a beautiful scene. And of course, it ends in a massive food fight, doesn't it? As you'd expect of a load of young lads. And, and it's this ultimate party trick, this kind of magic that Tinkerbell kind of brings to the occasion that suddenly this food magically appears. And that's how many think about this story of the feeding of 5,000 people by Jesus. They think it's like the ultimate party trick, the ultimate magic show. I wonder if you were there, if you were in the crowd, what you would think about your experience, what you would experience, how you would feel, what impression it would make on you. Because it's possible that you would just say, yeah, well, Jesus just seems really impressive. He's got this great box of tricks. He's really kind because he cares for us because we needed food and he gave us some food. You know, he's the kind of fellow that you want to take on a picnic with you, aren't you? You know, you're never going to have a shortage. And you know what? That's as far as most people get with this, including people who are in the crowd, actually, that day. It's as far as they get, being impressed that Jesus can conjure up some food and, and give them their fill. But we need to go beyond that, and we need to go deeper than that. That's what Mark, who wrote this down for us, wants. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be more than just impressed by some whatever magic trick with some foods. Because the miracles of Jesus, here's the thing, if we don't see this, we always miss what they're saying. They always point beyond themselves. They're never just a miracle for the sake of a miracle. They're always pointing beyond themselves to something else. And sometimes that's explained for us really clearly in the text. Sometimes Jesus explains exactly what's going on. Sometimes we need to see in how people respond. Like we did a couple of weeks ago in the, in the, in the storm on the water. How they responded was what we saw, what was going on. Well, today with this one, it's actually fairly subtle. It's kind of, it's fairly subtle, but we ought not miss it. It's there by these subtle kind of illusions, these echoes in the way that Mark retells the story. The unseen realities that he reveals to us that probably as we read it, you just kind of just ignored or washed over you. As we dig into this, this is what we're going to, see and experience today. I'm, I'm really sorry, it's hard to see the screen, but this is what we're going to see. In Jesus, our souls find rest and are fully satisfied. In Jesus, our souls find rest and are fully satisfied. So firstly, rest. 
You see, we've seen this thing coming, as if you've been with us as we walked through Mark, we've seen this thing coming over and over and over. That is the compassion of Jesus. We've seen it for the outsider and the outcast. We've seen it for those who are demon-possessed, for the sick. We've seen it for the lonely lepers on the, outs- on the outside and the bustling crowds. We've seen his compassion for the sinners and the tax collectors, for the unnamed suffering woman, and also for Jairus' little girl. Jesus is a man of compassion. Matthew records him saying this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Listen, if you're weary this morning, if you are burdened as you sit here today, come to Jesus. Come to him this morning. Find rest for your souls. Come to me if you're weary, if you're burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what he says. And we see this rest work out in, in two beautiful ways in, 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 this, in this passage here. It'd be really helpful if you have that open, but on page 1009. And it's there with the, the 12 apostles. And this is if you are worn out serving. And we see it there in, in verse 30. These 12 apostles, the followers of Jesus, come back and they've returned from this mission trip that he sent them on. And they are like, they are pumped and excited. And they're reporting back after weeks on the road serving Jesus. So you can imagine, it goes like this. Andrew says, well, you should have heard Simon. He did this great preach on the parable of the sower. He was challenging people's hearts to respond to the good news. And James says, well, you should have seen John casting out this demon in the name of Jesus. It was amazing. He was gone. And Matthew explains how Bartholomew healed a guy by the power of Jesus' name. Healed him from some skin disease or or something else. And so you can imagine these apostles are excited that the kingdom has been advancing. uh, And they're telling these stories. But they're absolutely knackered as well. Physically and spiritually, they are done. Because if you've ever been involved in this kind of stuff, this kind of spiritual work, you know it takes its toll on you. And here they are in Capernaum, and Capernaum is buzzing with people. People are coming and going. These guys don't even have time to eat or have their foods. And Jesus knows that these fellows will not last long like that. They're on borrowed time, physically, humanly. He knows they need some downtime. And so he says, listen, come away with me. Just you guys, let's come, let's go, let's go away. Let's go somewhere quiet across the lake. Let's chill out together, let's catch up. Let's just be still for a bit. You see, Jesus isn't just looking for workhorses. He's not just looking for servants. He's not just making for people to come and make his ministry work or make his church look big or great or make Sundays work or whatever else. No, Jesus actually cares. He actually cares for those who he calls. So where you are just worn out from serving Jesus, just worn out from serving in church, where you are discouraged, where you are heavy laden, where your discipleship feels like it is hard work. 
where you're trying to reach out to your neighbours and friends and colleagues or whatever else, just feels tiring, and it feels like no one's responding, and you're ready to give up. We need to hear these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. You see, Jesus comes to his friends who've been serving him, and he says, come away with me. Let's have some rest. Let's have some time together. Let's be quiet and be still. He cares for those who are serving him, but also he cares and he gives rest to the crowds, to those who are harassed and helpless. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you just feel harassed and helpless. Imagine this. Imagine you've been super busy at work. It's just been absolutely full on for the last few months. And you felt like you can't escape. It's taken kind of all hours of, of life, of time, of energy, working until late in the night. And, and you know you've got a holiday coming and you're just hanging on for that holiday. We've been there, haven't we? And you get to kind of finish and work and you feel like you just about limp over the line, ready to collapse in a heap. But you get to your holiday and you, you go to, I don't know, you check into your Airbnb or whatever else. And you open the door. And there your boss is waiting for you. (laughs) They've got reports for you to read. They've got work for you to do. They've got emails for you to answer. Can you imagine? Doesn't that just make you, I don't know, it makes me right now feel, I mean, I'm my own boss, and it makes me feel horrible, you know, thinking about that. You can imagine that moment, can't you? I'm not really my own boss, I kind of am. As Jesus and, and his friends, the apostles, they arrive for this retreat on the other side of the lake, They're there to get a break, to be refreshed. It's not the best surprise. They arrive and work is waiting there for them. Thousands, thousands from all over the region have have come and they've run and they're waiting and they're desperate for Jesus for a taste of his ministry. And you think Jesus just be like well annoyed. He'd just be like, give me a break. Can I not just get away from you lot for one minute, for one day? But Mark tells us Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. He saw the crowd and he had compassion. And we might think, well, what a really nice guy. He's just a top bloke, isn't he? He's just always really nice to people. He's always got time for people. And we might just kind of stop there with being impressed by Jesus as if he's just like a a really decent guy. But this is where Mark takes us deeper and wants us to see there's more going on here. See, the clue is in what Jesus sees. It's there in this verse 34, um, down on page 1009. Mark says that Jesus sees they are like sheep without a shepherd. They are like sheep without a shepherd. This taps in uh, to to, to, to this, this amazing thread of this theme that kind of runs through the Bible story. And this whole story hangs on this little revelation, this little insight of what Jesus sees the crowd as. It changes everything. Because the Bible story shows us with this thread that runs through it that um, the, the nature of people in our need is that we are like sheep without a shepherd. And the way we can make sense of that, and we need to do this briefly to understand this, is just dig back into the story to see what that's saying. 
And I've got some cheat sheets for you there. A couple of these are on your, your page. Because we're going to kind of spend a, a bit of time in some other passages, I thought it'd be helpful. These are quotes from the Bible to just put them on, uh, on a piece of paper for you. But you can look them up as well if you want. The page numbers are there. And these help us make sense of what does it mean to be sheep without a shepherd? What, what's Mark tapping into here? You see, because when we are described as sheep, it's not this. It's not that we're cute and fluffy and kind of cute. I mean, what else can you say about sheep? There's not much to them other than, you know, just cute and fluffy, right? But no, it's not tapping into that kind of thing. It's tapping into the fact that sheep are needy. Quite frankly, pretty stupid as far as animals go. On your piece of paper there on the left, Isaiah 53. Look down next to number six. That's what Isaiah says. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, God's people, when they're described like sheep, are those that are wandering off and going astray. Stupid people who don't know where is safe and where isn't. Think we're doing fine, but landing ourselves in all sorts of trouble and difficulty. It's a real serious problem. You know, a stray sheep, what happens to them is they get picked off by wolves, or they get caught in thorn bushes, or they get eaten by bears and torn apart by lions. They fall off cliffs, they get infested with parasites. They're pretty. In actual fact, a sheep is so stupid that if it falls on its back, it's kind of stuck. It can't really do anything. It's just kind of like there until someone comes and helps it. That's you and me, spiritually speaking. You see, sheep need a good shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd to protect them, to lead them to good places to graze and to rest, to care for them, to provide for them. Sheep are totally dependent on the shepherds. So it's bad news when they wander off. There's a serious warning here for us. If, If today you find yourself wandering spiritually, this is a description of where you're at. But the the real problem really isn't in the nature of the sheep so much, is that it's sheep without a shepherd. That's the big problem. You see, in the Bible story, it's the leaders of God's people were called to shepherd the people. They were called to provide for and to protect his people. And, And so we see that in this other quote here, Ezekiel 34. Listen to this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed those who are ill or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth. No one searched or looked for them. 
You see, the leaders of God's people throughout history before Jesus have consistently failed. They have abandoned their post. They've abused and taken advantage of the sheep. They've used the sheep for their own gain rather than serving the sheep. They've left them for dead. And sheep without a shepherd die. It's, a matter of, it's only a matter of time. They die. So when Mark says, Jesus looks on the crowd and sees they are like a sheep, sheep without a shepherd. He's saying Jesus sees the spiritual danger that these people are in. And he is concerned. He has compassion for lost and helpless souls. And he pursues them. And he welcomes them. And you see at the end of verse 34 just how he shepherds them. He teaches them many things. He tells them his good news. He comes and invites them to rest. He comes to protect them and make them safe by his words. You see, where you are wandering in your life, and let's face it, we're all wandering in some way. We're all wandering in some part of life, like a lost sheep turned away from him and we suffer the effects of that well here is one who pursues here is one who welcomes here is one who comes to offer us rest comes to be our shepherds that's rest but also satisfaction you know we often think of this I think if we picture the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which I think we've all heard of before, probably mostly. We picture this kind of idyllic scene, this kind of summer family picnic, this nice grassy hill, this sunshine, everyone happy. Um, it's this kind of thing. Everyone having a good time, smiles on faces. You know, you see it if you, if you buy a, a Bible book for, for children that has this kind of illustration in. Everyone's having a nice time, like a, a nice summer day. Seems like a happy scene, doesn't it? But listen, we need to see that this is anything but idyllic. There is a big problem. This is getting late in the day. We see this here in verse 35. These people are stranded in a very remote and distant place at a time where there aren't, you know, good networks and public transport and other things. Actually, this place is a wilderness, is the word that's used. It's this massive crowd squeezed in to hear Jesus. Everyone's kind of bustling and you know pushing up against each other and that kind of thing. They haven't eaten all day, and so people are getting hangry and agitated and kind of worked up. And, and you can imagine it's not a happy crowd. No deliveroo is going to come and you know deliver out here. There's not much they can do. There's a real threat. You can imagine a scene that kind of everything's going to kick off in some way towards the end of this day. And so the question that comes out of the text is, who's going to sort this out? That's what the disciples come to Jesus to ask him. And this doesn't need a miracle to sort the situation out. It just needs some good people management. The disciples have got a solution. Get the crowd to sort it out themselves. Tell them to go and get their own dinner. It's not our problem. Let them sort it out. But Jesus says to his disciples, you sort it out. Come on, fellas, you, you sort it out. Why don't you provide food for them? Let, let, let's, do, let's do the maths. Okay? Um, this is uh, the humble meal deal, okay? 
comes in at three pounds normally. I don't know, you, some of you might be more upmarket and go for you know, a more expensive one, but you can get a meal deal for three pounds. 5,000 people here, so three pounds times 5,000 comes in at 15 grand. Now, I don't know if you're carrying 15 grand in your back pocket. If you are, I want to be your friend. But these disciples aren't. It's the 15 grand is about the equivalent it was then. 200 days wages, 200 denarii. So Jesus says, guys, sort out some food for these, you know, this crowd of 5,000. They're kind of doing the math, thinking, 15,000. Jesus, well, what are you asking us to do? And, and so you can imagine being one of the disciples, not sure what to say, kind of pushing Peter forward, saying, Peter, you do all this. You talk to him about it. I mean, certainly the disciples are not expecting or looking for any kind of miracle. But what these disciples are about to have an experience of is not so much some kind of lesson in creative problem solving, but a taste of how Jesus satisfies souls. Because Jesus steps in to sort it out, and he gets... Uh, people sat in groups of hundreds and fifties, so it's easier to kind of get the food distributed. Uh, and he takes these five loaves. They're kind of more like crackers, really. They're not like loaves that we'd have. These small little crackers. These two probably pickled fish. Uh, and we read that he gives thanks to God, and he breaks the bread, and he gives it to his disciples to take to the hungry crowds. Now, the crowds actually are probably something like 20,000 or more because it's 5,000 men, but there's probably women and children there. So we're talking about a massive big crowd of football stadium-sized crowds. And disciples start passing out the food, and it just keeps on going and going and going, and everyone's eating, and they're not holding back, and they're filling up, and, and they're enjoying the food, and the disciples keep going, keep handing out, keep serving until everyone has eaten. In verse 42, we see not only has everyone eaten, but we see that everyone is satisfied. They are filled up. This word satisfied is used elsewhere for kind of the soul being at peace and happy. And then the disciples have to go and collect in the leftovers, and they go and collect 12 baskets of leftovers, far more than, you know, than they started with at the beginning. And again, we might think, well, that is an amazing food trick. That is kind of the showstopper to end all showstoppers. And, and maybe it ended with a food fight. Who knows? But you might just be impressed and amazed at kind of that. But again, we need to go deeper. We need to see where Mark leads us because more is going on. And the clue here is in how Mark records these details of the story how he echoes earlier uh, kind of themes in the story. And he's showing us none other than this is God here to shepherd his sheep. Jesus looks out and sees that people are like sheep without a shepherd. Here is God to be shepherd to his people. To provide for and to protect his people. Actually, that was promised back in Ezekiel, back on, on, on the piece of paper there. It was promised 600 years earlier. God said, listen, you leaders have been, you haven't shepherded my people, so I'm going to come and do it myself. I'm going to come and be a shepherd. Let's read from the uh, next to number 11 there. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. 
As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. You know, even those good leaders of God's people in their history, even the ones who made a good fist of it, did not ultimately deliver ultimate satisfaction for God's people. You've got Moses, probably the greatest leader of God's people in their history before Jesus. And his story is echoed here. 1,500 years earlier, Moses had led God's people in the wilderness. He had ordered them into groups and, and ordered them around and provided this miraculous bread from heaven for them. And yet his... If you read the story, his leadership and his provision ultimately failed, as did all others. But here you see is Jesus, and he is delivering on this promise of Ezekiel. This is God himself coming to be a shepherd to his people, coming to guide them and to lead them, to provide for them, coming to give them safety, give them good blessings, to bind up the injured, to strengthen the weak, to give them a new future and to satisfy their souls. It makes sense of of Mark's little funny detail, how he describes the grass as green, here in um, verse 39. It's not just because, it probably is because it was spring and the grass was still green. In the Middle East, the grass goes yellow in the summer as it gets burned. But Mark is also emphasizing and tapping into the famous Psalm 23. The promise of God's good shepherding of his people. But God says, the Lord is my, uh, the, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Here Jesus is having the people sit down in a green pasture to satisfy their soul. He meets people in the desert and he brings them to a green place of rest and peace. It's a great promise for our soul, isn't it? It's a great promise for our soul. But winning our satisfaction, winning this kind of peace and rest for us, what goes very deep, what it costs to do that. It's very costly for a shepherd to go after wandering sheep and to bring them back to a place of rest and satisfaction. Jesus himself says, we heard it earlier, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's what this Isaiah passage promises us on this piece of paper. This is 700 years earlier, but it's all about Jesus. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. 
You see, this is the food that the good shepherd provides for our sheep. This is the food that will not spoil. This is the food that will endure to eternal life. This is the food that will fill and will satisfy you. This is the bread of life. The good shepherd slaughtered like a stray sheep. His life given for you on the cross. His body broken for you. By his wounds, us stray sheep are healed and made whole. You know, we are prone to wander. We are still prone to wander, even if he is shepherding our souls. And he is the good shepherd, who at great, great cost to himself, at great cost to himself, he stretches out his hands on a cross. He offers them up to the nails. And he gives his life to win our rebellious souls back. What the good shepherd does for his sheep, he lays down his life for you. He lays down his life for me. That's the bread of life broken for us. That's the food that satisfies our souls. Mark, later on in his story, will come to it after Christmas, He records Jesus sharing a Passover meal with his disciples. So Mark 14, you can look at it if you want, but you don't need to. And he echoes this miracle as he introduces it. It's quite incredible. I'm going to read it to you. Hear the similarity of what happens over this meal. And listen to what Jesus says to them. Listen to what he says as he hands it to them. While they were eating, Jesus took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Take it, this is my body. Drink it, this is my blood. Today, 100 years on from the Great War, the war to end all wars, and we still remember. Though perhaps it seems to be further from our personal experience, we know that we are shaped and we are formed by the sacrifices made by our grandparents and our great-grandparents' generation. We know that and we still remember today. Winston Churchill said, never was so much owed by so many to so few about that great war. Well, he was wrong. Far more is owed by so many more to just one. And so today we remember the good shepherd who laid down his life for our sheep. And by faith we feed from him. And part of the way we do that as Christians is by sharing the Lord's Supper together. This is an experience of where we find rest for our souls. This is a foretaste for us of the lasting satisfaction which he gives to us even now. It is a meal that is a gift. It is a meal that is a privilege for those who take Jesus up on his offer to be their shepherd.
those who trust in Jesus, those who are following Jesus. It's for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so anyone who has done that, anyone who wants to do that today, is welcome to join in uh, with us as we share the Lord's Supper together in a moment. I'm going to ask the, the, the musicians to come up because they're going to lead us in a song that we're going to sing. And as we sing, um, there's some uh, bread or some, some pink juice and some um, wine at the front. You can come and help yourselves if you wish to do that. But listen, if this isn't you, if you're not there yet and you haven't trusted in Jesus yourself, then we're so happy you're with us today. Thank you for coming to be with us. But just ask you not to share in this experience. Because it's for those who are trusting in Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll stand and sing and share this together. Lord, we are wandering sheep. We are helpless and hopeless. We are rebellious. We're weary, we're tired out, we're, we're um, distracted. We're broken and we're hurt. Jesus is a good shepherd who lays down his life for us. We thank you and we praise you. We receive all that he has for us by faith. Would you give us a real tangible experience of these things, a joy of them as we take the bread and the wine as we sing? Would these things be embedded more deeply in our hearts and in our lives? We thank you. This is such great news. Amen.